0: This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Welcome to the podcast Secrets of the North, a podcast about true crime in Northern BC. I'm your host, Emily Gallen.
1: And I'm the co-host, Spencer Hall. Our podcast may contain mature content, and it usually does. So that listener discretion, oh, you know it's advised. It's advice, baby. It's advice, baby.
0: So, Spencer, I'm so happy to see you again.
1: Yeah, it's been a hot minute.
0: It's been 10 hot minutes and about 12 illnesses.
1: 12 illnesses, and, like, we did hang out, sort of, but we don't talk to each other anymore.
0: No, that's the thing. I, for the listeners, um, Spencer and I went bowling the other day with a group of people, and he tried to tell me some delightful tales, and I said, "Shush, no!" I said, "No, you will not talk to me until we do our updates on our podcast, because you have to save all your good information for then."
1: All my all my good content. And then Emily's he... like, "You're wasting valuable content."
0: <laughs> and then we came into the studio to record today, and he tried to tell me about um, started talking about cancer, and I said, "No, you're going to have to wait to talk about cancer until we get on the air, okay?"
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well. All right. Well. You know. That's one. Uh, for context, uh, my grandmother is going, she's fine, just to all our listeners, she's doing fantastic. You mean our grandmother? Our grandmother, yep. our collective grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, she's doing well. Good. Um, so she is, I'm not going to give out details because it's not my medical details to uh, to tell, but no, she's doing well. She just came back from the, the cancer lodge in Prince George. Okay. Uh, but... Um, things are going well. That's all I'm going to say for now before I get like explicit permission to kind of tell folks, but... Okay, I well love tell her your grandma we love her too. I absolutely will. Uh, she's back in Terrace now, so...
0: Okay, awesome. Um, well, speaking of bowling, we had a pretty amazing photograph taken when we were all bowling, and um, I had shared it in... Some of these listeners are... Gonna find this weird, but whatever. I shared this in a Facebook group that I'm in with about 2,000 Emily and Kyles called the Embassy. Shout out to all the Emily's and Kyles listening. If you're listening, go to the Facebook group, join it. It's amazing. You won't be disappointed. Do you
1: have to be a Kyle or an Emily to be? You
0: have to be a Kyle or an Emily. If you're an Emily, you can be an Emily or an adjacent. So you can be an M, an Emmy, spelling it however you want. The Kyles are purists, and you have to be K Y L E. Okay. What? Yeah. So I shared the photo of our bowling. Listen,
1: I don't think, <laughs> I think that if you're, you're, A, if you're named Kyle, but then you have to spell it K-I-L-E. No, you deserve to be in the No,
0: K-Y-L-E. No, I know.
1: But if you spell it, like, if you do spell it K-I, mm. like, like, pile but Kyle.
0: They won't allow it.
1: Well, now that person's just suffering in two ways. First off, their name is Kyle. No, no judgment. They're
0: the going to have Kyle. to start their own group then. Yeah. But I shared the photo and it's got, um, Spencer is being held up. For those of you who haven't met Spencer, how tall how tall are you?
1: Five foot six.
0: Okay, yo, I'm five. I thought I was five six. Nope. I feel like I'm taller now. Okay, so Spencer, five, I'm actually six. just <laughs> shrinking,
1: and you're actually yeah, you getting... are, you are. I'm losing vertebrae, and Emily will one day just be like so tall, and I'll be like all shriveled.
0: Also, because you shaved your head, so you've lost a few inches, and then those inches have gone down to your mustache.
1: Yes uh of hair yeah, <laughs> yeah um actually nice. yeah that's the thing is i like to say that uh, i didn't actually lose my hair it's just migrated to other Perfect. regions yeah um but uh yeah no i also <laughs> speaking of grandparents i inherited my grandfather's uh, hairline so yes that's actually true. he also has a mustache so right now yeah. i'm really just rocking that patrick look
0: i love it but yeah. back to the photograph mm-hmm. we have spencer who's of average to short height being held up by our good friend trey who is how tall we got to put, we'll put this on the six foot nine Instagram. Okay. Six, He's nine. A big boy. Yeah. So Trey is just holding Spencer up so he can be seen in the photograph. Yeah. And I share this and the listeners from the Kyle group, uh, Called you travel sized and that they wanted one of you and I thought that was so cute.
1: That was cute. I I was I was like oddly like my heart was warmed when you st- you shared that with no context and then I just <laughs> saw that the guy's name was Kyle so I was like oh she must have shared that to the Kyle and Emily yeah group. oh yeah um, yeah no so fun fact during that uh, during that photo Trey and I never said a word he just oh, looked over and then he saw that. My head was being obliscated by mm-hmm. Jenna Moreland, who is the host of Before the Peace. Yeah. So it's Trey. Out yeah Um, you know great uh great podcast friends we hang out uh, not because we have to um but um yeah so essentially he couldn't he could see that i wasn't going to be i was gonna i wasn't gonna make it into the photo so then without a word he just picked me up and then held me
0: he was doing the lord's work he really was and he
1: looks like if you look at the photo which we'll probably post on instagram he looks like like if somebody was like really proud of their dog that got out of like uh, obedience class or like when you're holding your kid and you're like look how awesome like that's his face and then your
0: face is kind of You know, we'll we'll have people caption this, It's the Spencer
1: face. Um, It was because the people in the lane next to us were staring at us because there was a full-grown man holding another smaller full-grown man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, it's a great photo. It's one of my favorites. It's my my profile photo. Good.
0: I love it. Um, Well, moving on to some updates then, Spencer. Uh, Some people have emailed us, and I... Just continually try and hit this reply all button, and it doesn't send anything to him. It sends it (laughs) It it to to your
1: boss. (laughs) Poor Adam is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. like,
0: Emily, stop sending me these. So if you have emailed us, we're going to get back to you guys soon. We've been sick.
1: Um, Emily doesn't know how to use email.
0: I don't know how to use email. It's only been around
1: since, what, the 80s, 90s?
0: Well i mean uh, somebody so the same time me, as me
1: dm me and let me know how wrong i am yeah
0: exactly <laughs>
1: not that we've we really haven't gotten any any bad messages that i know oh, not of. yet
0: but i not that's do... not an invitation no it's not but i absolutely love reading if anyone says anything negative about us i don't know why you do like reading that i think it's it's so funny to me, it's so funny.
1: I will go through a range of emotions. Okay. At first, I'm like, why am I doing this? Uh, and then I remember, because I, I went to radio school, which is probably a shock <laughs> for everybody listening to the podcast, being like, well, why do you suck so much? Uh, no, but no, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, the thing they teach you in radio school was uh, essentially just to try to, to, essentially how I was taught was they <laughs> gave me a Brene Brown quote, oh, um, love which Bernay is Brown. that one where it's easy to, what is it, uh, the world is full of uh, comments from the cheap seats or something like that. So essentially the idea behind that is if there's somebody that, like, if they're just, uh, like, I don't want to say just a listener because we love you guys so much, but, like, essentially, like, if you're not podcast, like actively engaged in the podcast community and you don't have a podcast and you don't podcast, why would I listen to your critique?
0: Oh, yeah. So if you're trying to get better at something, you're you're going to take that it's advice critique f- from people who are already professionals at it. Yeah. yeah well, okay. and that's
1: the thing. It's easy for me to look at someone's content where I'm not making it and then shit all over it. It, as opposed to actually, you know, help each other out and be nice and that. So, you know, essentially when somebody like, cause people, there are a group of people that just like to go around the internet and just be just goblins, yeah. like the, just terrible goblins. Uh, and that's not needed. No one needs that.
0: The thing about it is I'm actually just not trying to get any better. So it doesn't really bug me. And one th- person had said, like, great podcast. No, no. Great. <laughs> they said... The murders were great, mm. but the podcasters could do better. Yeah, yeah, I think they said I think we mentioned that before. They once were like before. the hosts
1: aren't podcast worthy and I was like, "Yeah, oh. well, no. can't wait to hear his podcast though." Uh,
0: it might be really good. What if uh, we is? don't know. What, what if, if it's really good? What if we
1: find out that he's like he has like a podcast with CBC or something?
0: He's on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> well, then I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, then armchair expert. Oh, okay. You yeah, know, then would, we would, would care. T- That's valid. We're
1: going to go over to Wine Corner, and this is where we tell you guys that we're not having any wine. Uh,
0: I know. We're so
1: bad. Because Emily has been sick, and I'm actually doing Dry Feb, which will be continuing on yes. past February. I uh, will re- release more details on that soon, mm-hmm. but we are still partnered with uh, Northern Lights Estate Winery. You can order their wine online. Wine online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it is really good when I'm able to drink it. Uh, but it right is. now, I am drinking Corona Sun Brew, which... I was not expecting this from a non-alcoholic beer, but it's a source of vitamin D and an, an excellent source of potassium.
0: That, I mean...
1: 100 yeah, milligrams really of potassium me. in this
0: thing. I don't know what's a lot and what's a little amount of potassium, but mm. any potassium in a drink kind of...
1: I find it piques my interest. Yeah, no, I just... I mean, it's it's awesome. I posted it because i you know, just trying to talk about dry fab or whatever, and I posted it on my Facebook, and somebody says you might as well just stick the bottle in my eye because it's not <laughs> beer. And I was like, yeah, but I can't drink beer right now. So that's why I'm drinking this. Context. Context. Uh, if, you're, if that person's listening, sorry. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, it's been a while, but anyway. Um, you, know when you, you know when you get that, where it's like somebody who you're like, I'm sure you met. Like you just, you read it. I always read people's comments in like the shittiest voice possible. So then I oh. get upset. Mm. Uh, which is something I'm trying to unlearn and, and just be like, uh, you know, because you can, you can fill in the blanks. Uh, I'm actually going through therapy right now. So I'm going, I'm in a therapy group. So uh,
0: my cheers. Yay.
1: Um, but um, essentially, I'm just trying to like unlearn the negativity and just be like, eh, everyone's trying their best.
0: Excellent. Well, I think you're doing a great job over there with your little fake corona. And I'm just fake sitting fake over corona. here with my, um, I would say, lukewarm water. Uh, I believe probably, they call that room temperature? Yeah. Room temperature water that's been in this container for. In my van for probably a week or two. Oh,
1: God. No wonder you get sick so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, on that note, uh, we're going to take you to a corner now with some content. Okay. Content me, please. Content. We are going down. You know what corner? <sighs>
0: is it crime corner? It is. Oh, that just got me hard. So, bit. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, <laughs> moving forward or not, um, I will read you this headline. Okay. Fort St. John police dog nabs crime spree suspect
0: okay when right. was this
1: this was i published this because this is a, <laughs> this is a spencer, i wrote this uh and it was a so spencer it, special it is uh it was it's january 18th of okay. 2023 okay so a fort st john police dog recently helped apprehend ryan donald large who according to the rcmp was on a bit of a crime spree oh,
0: uh, so he's About actually ryan.
1: known to the fort st john police. wait did you say
0: his last name was large yeah and he was at large. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I know. Continue. Uh, no, Continue yourself. Uh,
1: so large is actually known by the RCMP. Um, he's had a few things, um, just a you know, just a few warrants. Okay. Uh, he had previously been arrested by the RCMP on January tenth uh, on uh, multiple outstanding warrants after being located in a stolen vehicle. Don't do that. Oh. Um, he was released. The same day on a release order and a future court date of January 23rd. I wonder how that went. That was actually not that long ago. Anyway, um, so just before 5 p.m. on January 15th, keep in mind this is five Five days days later. Five days later. uh, The Fort St. John police received a report about two stolen wallets. Uh, Mountie said that the report was made by the staff members of a local hotel. Okay. Uh, Officers then identified the suspect, said they were like,
0: hey, we know that guy.
1: Um, But they couldn't locate him, so they continued to investigate. Uh on the next day.
0: It's pretty bad when they can just look at the C T V scan um C T V.
1: Don't get Bell Media involved. <laughs> What's wrong with you?
0: When they can look at the the footage and say, Oh yeah, that's that's Ryan Large. Hey, it's that guy. I know that guy. Yeah. So hung in it hang out with him last week. Yeah, so, so, it's awesome. Not
1: not that long ago. Yeah, he's a nice
0: guy. Well
1: I mean I'm sure he is. I, I don't know. I haven't met him. Um so The next day, and I say the next day because it's actually like 20 minutes into the next day, so it's at midnight, 20 after midnight, uh, police also responded to a a report of a break-in at a residence where the owners, who had like just moved into this house, Mm. found items that didn't belong to them in the home. Uh Oh. um,
0: but presents?
1: No. So when they respond, uh, when the responding officers attended the scene, they reportedly discovered evidence indicating that somebody had been staying in the residence for like a oh. s- significant amount of time. Oh. Uh, police added that the suspect took multiple kitchen items and three pairs of shoes from the house. Okay. So that's like that's pretty lucky for Mr. Large. You know, you just kind of come in and you're like, oh man, that is my size.
0: I my mind immediately first goes to that he was. Probably Was it something happened at the ho- a hotel? We don't really... They don't name the hotel?
1: Um, no, not really.
0: Okay. Because sometimes people stay long-term in hotels if they're, yeah. you know, in the homeless situations. Yeah. No, right? it happens. Yes. Uh, I
1: believe they call those... Uh, uh, the, pr- the proper term, from what I hear, is uh, street-entrenched people.
0: Okay. Okay. So, I don't know if he was street-entrenched, but I literally just heard a story today about something similar where a Polish man... I don't know why that's relevant. So, <laughs> I heard something today where a man snacking to someone Polish someone's... descent. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I heard today that a man had broken into somebody's house mm-hmm. um, because he was in between housing, and happens. Yeah, and he needed a place to stay. He did their dishes. He had a bath. They found him in his bed. he's sounds in like a bed. delightful house guest. He was such a delightful house guest that after everything had happened mm-hmm. the house owner was like, I'm gonna hire him to like be a house cleaner or something for me.
1: Damn. Yeah, I mean, That's happy awesome. ending. But That's the thing. I always I always get so mystified when I see these comments on Facebook uh, where, where people are like well, they shouldn't be there. It's like, well, they don't have a house. Where else do you want them to go? Exactly. Like, yeah, I don't so know. So tell some...
0: me about was guy? he so, kind of in that same situation?
1: I don't know. Anyway, so a few hours later on January 16th at about 4.30 a.m., the godless hour of 4.30 a.m., uh, officers were called to the Pomeroy Hotel on the west side of Fort St. John, which is a 10-minute walk from 10-minute
0: <laughs> um, walk from anywhere if you're in Fort St. John. Yeah, also that, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not far. So
1: they received a report of a stolen vehicle at that time. Uh, the stolen vehicle was a white 2014 Ford Shuttle van. Police attended and briefly witnessed someone in the stolen vehicle flee the area. So they saw the RCMP and they're like, mm, bye. Um,
0: this person's got some sticky fingers.
1: Right. Uh, RCMP determined that the suspect had absconded with a very large amount of audio and video equipment. Oh, you think he was live? Do you think he was live streaming? I hope so. <laughs> he's on Twitch. He's like, watching him run the police. Um, so then shortly before 6 a.m. This is like, he's busy. Like, he's, he's on a that, busy week. He's on that grind.
0: Uh, I mean if he's at the pomeroy he's he's stealing vehicles he's stealing wallets audio visual audio um okay maybe he's starting a podcast
1: maybe <laughs> it's a journalist corner uh no I'm just kidding uh okay so Shortly before 6 a.m., while frontline officers were actually still at the scene of the hotel, police got another call, this time for a commercial break in on a Montney business. So the owner of the business saw the stolen white van at the back of the building, and the lights were on inside the business.
0: Okay, so for the listeners, Montney is j- outside of Fort St. John. So it's like,
1: yeah, Fort St. John adjacent.
0: Pomeroy Hotel it's like, to Montney. It's like Kilcarron
1: with, uh, yeah. with the Dawson Creek. Yeah. It's just adjacent. Like it's, um, out towards... Well, it's Blueberry, isn't it?
0: I'm going to pull up a map right now. <laughs> it's by Rose Prairie. Yeah. Which means nothing to anyone listening unless you're in Fort St. John. Yeah.
1: So it's... um Well, Rose Prairie's by the Alberta border, isn't it?
0: Oh, gosh. The map I'm looking at doesn't have North, East, South, west located okay, guys, on it. Listen, so I don't know You know, know where by listening is.
1: to us that we are very directionally challenged.
0: Oh, I'm the most directionally challenged. It's... It's... Um, Anyway, Motney
1: is just outside of Fort St. John. Yeah. Uh we'll post a Very picture rural. of it on a map. Yeah. Um I'll put I'll look it up on Google. Speaking of Google Maps. Um <laughs> can I tell you a funny thing that happened to Trey the other day? He was actually heading out towards so blueberry Motney area. Yes. And um he relied on Google Maps a little too much. Yes. And then he finds himself on a forest road.
0: He he had a Michael Scott situation there. So our good friend podcaster Trey
1: six foot yeah Nine man who lifted me up
0: yeah he decides to do the michael scott listen to the google map mm-hmm. take it where it's gonna take it yeah and it took him to the st- it led him astray it, frankly. yeah um but it led he was able to, to stuckiness
1: yeah well he, and he did get stuck uh and then i think adam had to go get him but anyway uh not important he did get the interview which is what he was at after, good so, uh, yeah no it was good long live train but anyway so The lights were on inside the business, just to kind of get back. So, you know, again, he's on a a bit of a crime spree. Um, So at this point, the Peace Region Police Dog Services Unit was reportedly the first to arrive on the scene. Okay. Police said that the suspect left the building and after seeing Mako. What's Mako? Mako is the police
0: dog. Oh. I believe it means shark. Okay. There's no way to know.
1: Well, actually, there is, Emily. I'm Mm. going to type Mako. I'm going to cut it.
0: Wow. We'll yeah. Oh, know. you're editing
1: the podcast now okay
0: <laughs> oh jeez, that would be bad
1: yes so a mako is a uh, large fast oceanic shark with a deep blue back and white underparts okay so i also have much... white underparts but that's because i don't tan <laughs> uh anyway not important <laughs> so uh after seeing the police dog mako he immediately complied with the officer's instructions that's fair, because I feel like if I was on a crime spree and then the police showed up with a dog, I'd be like,
0: oh my goodness. Maybe he's <laughs> just, oh yeah, because you like him. Yeah. Well, or maybe he's just tired.
1: Yeah, oh, He yeah. has been, he's been out busy. there. Yeah.
0: It's um, what, six in the morning at this time? He hasn't slept.
1: Yeah. He's been, yeah. He's he been, might be he's hungry. Been, he's been criming it up since the night before. Yep. Uh, okay. So frontline officers attended shortly after them, uh, after the police dog services unit and MAKO, uh, and then identified the suspect. Uh as ryan donald large and took him into custody so constable, bye bye. yeah constable chad newstater uh the media relations officer for the fort st john rcmp uh said that mako has only been attached to the fort st john rcmp detachment since december of last year so really like only a few weeks oh um oh
0: the december okay mm-hmm. yeah so like I'm following now
1: yeah so he'd only been there for it because keep in mind this is like mid-january yeah uh, so it was like top six weeks um uh, of last year, Mako was always is always ready to work, and he took Ryan Large into custody, ending the crime spree. So, oh. uh, after case they... solved by dog. Yes, uh, they nabbed him.
0: Yeah, uh, so <laughs> a dog nabbing.
1: The RCMP found evidence in the stolen shuttle van that tied Large uh, to the stolen wallets and the break-in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a laundry list of charges that he has.
0: Okay, hit me with um, it. All
1: right. The BC Crown Prosecution Service approved multiple charges against Large, including breaking and entering into a dwelling house, theft Mm -hmm. of a motor vehicle, dangerous operation of a conveyance, flight from police, break and entering, possession of property attained by crime, possession of an identity document, because he stole the wallet, Mm -hmm. uh, theft of over $5,000, and three counts of theft under $5,000.
0: You, sir, shall go directly to to Jail. jail. <laughs> Does he go directly to jail?
1: I do not know. All right, uh, I that is about as much as I know. But anyway, uh, thanks Mako for, for getting that guy.
0: Yeah, thanks Mako. Oh, and thank you Spencer True. for sharing that delightful dog nabbing tale. You're welcome. I love it.
1: Is also, now a good time to hear from our sponsors before we like launch into it?
0: I think, I think it would be the best time to hear from our sponsors. I'd love to hear from them. Let let's do it then. <laughs>
1: personal, powerful conversations that deserve to be listened to. Before the Peace is an city.ca podcast now available on all major platforms that highlights Indigenous voices in Northeast BC. Hosts Jenna Moreland and Trey Lapraszynski will take you on a journey with an Indigenous lens on the history of the Peace region. Find out more, go to before slash Peace. Check out all of our podcasts, go to energeticcity.ca slash podcasts.
0: Cindy Burke, also known as Tina Washburn, was just 21 years old when she disappeared in Northern BC in July of 1990. She was a member of the Little Salmon Carmex First Nation and was adopted to a non-Indigenous family and grew up in Saskatchewan. She was headed back to the prairies from the Yukon when she went missing in 1990. And Spencer, from here on out, I'm going to just refer to her as Tina, her birth name, um, instead of Cindy, which was the name that would have been given to her by her adoptive parents. According to the White Horse Star, Tina had been raised in Regina and later moved to Carmex Village in Yukon, but was new to Northern BC in 1990. She was last seen in mid-July in Prophet River, which is just north of Fort St. John, and it was believed she was heading to Saskatchewan.
1: Okay, so how about you tell me a little bit about how she actually made it to to northern BC?
0: Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about Tina's childhood here, um, and newsflash, it's not good. Yeah. So if you have
1: any kind of intergenerational trauma when it comes to uh, 60s scoop or residential schools, or it's just like something that brings you to a dark place, this is your, your chance to, to give us a pause, and you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next episode.
0: The Prince George News outlined a sad tale in regards to her birth family. Tina's family told the news that their mother struggled with alcohol and that the ministry had removed her five children and then they were all separated. Hmm. The first attempt at apprehending the children was unsuccessful, according to the White Horse Star. One of the children, Lily, and I quote, was a little girl when an orange car pulled up to Dorothy, the mother's, home. Child welfare officials emerged and piled Lily and her four younger sisters, including Tina, inside. But the girls made a run for it, and they hid in the woods. But Tina was a baby at the time, and the officials heard her cries. So they tracked down the kids and shuttled them to Whitehorse. This was during the sixty Scoop. Oh, no. So for some of the listeners, they might not be aware of... Yeah, some of Canada's horrible history.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. It's some bullshit.
0: Yeah, we we sucked.
1: Yeah, we really did.
0: Yeah, and I'm, we continue to suck by not acknowledging that we sucked.
1: I heard a really good quote the other day where it says, uh, you know, when it comes to reconciliation and stuff like that, a lot of us are apologizing for si- uh, stepping on the foot while still standing on the foot. Yeah. Um. So uh, do uh do some research. Uh, mm-hmm. read into it. It is. It's hard to come to grips with, but you know what's harder is living with that intergenerational trauma. So mm-hmm. you have the privilege of not having it affect every aspect and every person that you know. Uh, but uh, every indigenous person has been impacted and affected by yeah, this.
0: Exactly. The Canadian Encyclopedia lists the Sixty scoop as being, and I quote, the large-scale removal or scooping of indigenous children from their homes, communities, and families of birth through the 1960s and their subsequent adoption into predominantly non-Indigenous middle-class families across the United States and Canada. Gross, and I have a weird connection to this because my aunt was actually adopted during this time, and she is Indigenous, to guess what, Spencer? What? A non-Indigenous middle-class family in Canada. Wow.
1: Yeah. Has she been in touch with her uh, like her birth family since then? Or?
0: Yeah, she has. She has gotten in touch with some of them and still has a form of relationship with a few, not all of them. Um, I do feel really weird about, you know, my family being a part of the 60 scoop in that way. Um, It's interesting to me when I'm reading some of my grandmother's uh, notes and she shared some stuff with me. And one story that was written down was about, the first time she was witnessing children being removed and sent to residential schools. It's gut-wrenching. She speaks of seeing these little children with suitcases waiting on the train uh, in Lillouette, B.C., I believe, um, where my grandfather was a schoolteacher. And they would get shipped off to the residential school. Some would keep trying to come home. They would Mm -hmm. die in the cold. Um, I believe the chief son... Kept on running away. And so it was going to be problematic. And Mm -hmm. my grandfather said, on the down low, bring him into my one room schoolhouse. We'll school him. We we will lie about all the stuff and we'll keep him here. Oh, wow. So then I feel a little bit better that my family did something of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's that it's, weird guilt thing, right? Yeah, it's the, yeah, the no, white it's, guilt.
1: It's the white guilt. Um, I remember speaking to Connie Gray Eyes, who is the, uh, uh, I don't want to say coordinator, but she essentially handles all the missing and murdered indigenous women cases. Yes. Um, but we were talking about the 60s scoop and she was saying, because, you know, in indigenous culture, children really bring healing and and like uh the way she said it was good medicine oh nice and she said could you imagine what it was like on the reserves after all the children (sighs) left it was quiet there was nothing and that resonated with me so much and it was just so upsetting and another one that that does like i said earlier quite literally every indigenous person was impacted by residential schools and or the 60s scoop
0: you're really gonna hate this spencer Tina's mother was told that if she became sober she could get her kids back but even after that year of sobriety they didn't grant her that wish not only that but apparently the mother was unable to read and they had her sign documents relinquishing her rights to her own children when they would have removed them a year prior a fuck you literally
1: go fuck yourself and that's fuck so yourself. that's I mean understatement of the century that's not cool no uh, one of that makes one, me that makes me so angry I'm sorry.
0: One of Tina's sisters, Lily, never quite forgot who she was despite being removed at a young age. And I quote, The five youngest children were split up and adopted out to different locations by then. One was with a family in Georgia. Lily and two sisters were with a family in St. Paul, Minnesota. And Tina was adopted by a family in Saskatchewan. Lily said her family was good and kind, but she always knew it wasn't where she belonged. She remembered her times in the Yukon, and she remembered that she had a sister named Tina. So at the age of 14, after a string of abusive and traumatic experiences in residential schools and juvenile homes, Lily left Minnesota and moved back to the Yukon.
1: There's so much there. Also, you couldn't have spread those kids further apart.
0: No, exactly. So in 1989, Tina finally made contact with her sisters, and they couldn't have been happier. And this, Spencer, is how she came to be in northern BC at the time of her disappearance. Okay, that makes sense.
1: Now Now we're here. Well, we're in 1990.
0: Yeah. Well, that happiness obviously was not long lived and snatched from them almost immediately when Tina went missing just a year later after they connected. Her body was found on July 24th, 1990 in Northern BC. Fuck. Prince George News stated that the police found her body on July 24th that year near Fort St. John, but did not know who she was. Due to decomposition, she had to be buried quickly after an autopsy. And she was marked as Jane Doe in the Prince George Cemetery when post-mortem fingerprinting eventually helped the RCMP identify her remains.
1: That's so tragic. Imagine after having to go through this trauma of being separated from your family, remembering that you have a sister out there, well, multiple siblings, but also a sister Mm -hmm. out there. You finally meet them, meet her. And a year later, she goes missing. Like, I can't. Even fathom Mm-mm. the roller coaster of emotions that you would go through.
0: And Tina's body was found near Kaskatna Provincial Park, which is between Dawson Creek and Fort St. John, BC. Her body was covered in brush and she had died by apparent throat cutting. Jesus. CBC News stated that, and I quote, Despite years of investigation, police made no arrests until an undercover operation in 2006, during which police officers pretended to be members of a criminal gang and secretly filmed a man admitting to the crime. Did
1: they do a Mr. Big? They did a Mr. Big. They did an. Oh, wow.
0: How many Mr. Bigs have we covered? Two, Two like three? three?
1: Two or three, yeah. <sighs> I know the first one. Like in the our first hey? episode. Yeah, well, I guess. But also, I mean, like. I mean it were, ain't broke. the the first one was problematic but yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I mean I don't know about this one because I just heard about it but like yeah I didn't realize that they used it so much um that's wild <laughs> people are, <laughs>
0: people are stupid
1: sometimes I guess they just
0: keep falling for it
1: well I mean I yeah. imagine that oftentimes that they're you know like the first one they're probably like oh, yeah. a little there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of high stakes yeah. there mm-hmm. anyway um okay uh so who admitted to it who who said they did it
0: well, this man was named Paul Russell Delano Felker. He was arrested in connection with her murder in November of 2006 and charged with second-degree murder. They kept him in custody until his court hearing. Okay. Police actually had him on their radar and had questioned him in 2004, but were not able to arrest him until 2006. I wonder why. Typically, if if they don't have enough yeah. to actually pursue it, yeah. then they don't... I had a cop tell me one time it's like we what do you say it's like we're pretty sure we know who they are there's we- just
1: not the evidence that they need to make that arrest yeah. okay
0: yeah. i mean that i guess that makes sense
1: um it sucks but on the flip side, if they were able to do that, you'd have yeah. a lot of people that were wrongfully accused getting uh, prosecuted,
0: more so than they already yeah, are. Yeah. And while you th- think about all the unsolved cases in Northern BC, mm-hmm. and they're basically saying like, yeah, you know, we do know who have done these. We just maybe can't prove it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did mention that there was one case, and it was a Chetwin double murder. And I said, hey, I just... Covering that one, yeah, yeah. According to court documents, Paul is described as a big man with a double chin, wearing large glasses, not hat, and was sixty-two. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if we have to roast his appearance.
1: He's, I mean, just slashing someone's throat is a pretty shit move.
0: I, I think I'm allowed to roast his appearance. I mean, you can, yeah. It's you're right. It's a free country. Fuck Paul, and was oh 62. he's a piece of shit. Fuck yeah. him. <laughs> and. And was 62 at the time of his sentencing, where he was tried in front of a jury that included six men and six women. Court documents stated that he confessed to killing the victim in several statements he made to an undercover police officer in the course of a Mr. Big type police operation, in which police posed as criminals and invited him to join them in their criminal endeavors.
1: I did not realize when we covered this the first time, like how much it's used.
0: Oh, I didn't either. That's not, wild. not only did they have a previous confession, but they had semen collected at the crime scene that matched Paul. Although, the defense claimed that this just meant he had contact with her, and he didn't kill her. There's no witnesses to the crime. Okay. you? Yeah, no. I'm,
1: I mean, I get it. You're the defense team. You have to try to poke holes in the argument of the prosecution, but no. Good try. I, well, yeah, I, you tried, but I mean, also... I wonder gen- genuinely how many times you have uh, con- that type of contact. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say sexual because I don't know if it was consensual or not, but mm-hmm. um, you know that kind of contact, and then y- you piece out, and then that person is then immediately murdered. Like I don't know how often that actually happens. So for that to keep, but I mean, I don't know. I get, I get it. There's a difference between what's morally right and what's legally right. Yeah, um, which is. Also something that would be really interesting to kind of look at, but I guess in a legal standpoint, emotions removed. I get why the the defense did that, but also, fuck you.
0: Uh-huh. In 2009, he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for 12 years. Okay. So.
1: I mean, that's, I, I mean. That's good. Bittersweet, isn't it? Good, for, good.
0: Yeah. 12 years for parole, though, if you were to get out, that would be like this year. 20, math is hard. No,
1: you're right. I am terrible at math. Uh, I am 2009, that'd be 2021.
0: Okay. Well, after doing some more digging, I found that permanent justice was served in 2020 when Paul Felker died in prison from COVID-19 complications. He was just 73 at the time and just shy of his parole dates.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, a fitting end.
0: Even though a form of justice was served, it's never fully served for the family. And I quote, It took 20 years for them to find the killer, Lily said to the White Horse star in 2017. When we were taken away, we were told that we were going to a safer place, and my family were all split up. I never, ever knew my family, and it really broke my mother's heart. Fuck.
1: I couldn't imagine not knowing my family. Like, that's just so, like, for me, like, I I love my family. I couldn't imagine Mm -hmm. not not knowing who they were.
0: Mm -hmm. Frida Bankhead, Tina's aunt told CBC News that she had suffered for years wondering why Tina was killed. And I quote, It's like a dark hole. You can't find what you're looking for. What were her last words? Unfortunately, her mother Dorothy died before the killer was ever caught.
1: Fuck. Mm-hmm. God, it just keeps getting worse. I know.
0: Her murder will forever be mentioned in conjunction with the Highway of Tears and the inquest into missing and murdered Indigenous women. <sighs>
1: God, yes. that was so fucking heavy.
0: Yeah, that was uh, disgusting.
1: It was, in, in many ways. Uh, oh. the, honestly, and Tina it, was failed by so many people.
0: So many people. And if you are from the North area, and you do really know these roads, you're, I'm on that road all the time. Mm-hmm. She's found near Kiskatna, under I've a been, brush. Yeah. It's, we go there all the time. Yeah, I There's went, been multiple people gone missing from the Kiskatna area. Really? Well, Dennis Pool. Oh. and we'll cover that case as well eventually yep. um we will be the majority of our cases Spencer are indigenous yes um uh, from the area that we live in and because we know that they are more likely to be victims yeah so, they
1: they're like the it's insane how many and and those are like statistics that we have for violence uh, against indigenous people, namely women. Mm -hmm. Um, like when it comes to say like domestic violence and stuff like that, like that, there's probably so much more that happens that doesn't get reported. Well, of course. Um, they were saying that, um, uh, I think six out of 10 indigenous women, uh, experience intimate partner violence. Wow. And it's like, it's so horrifying. Uh, and then also they were saying that, um, what was interesting was Inuit women. The, the rate of Inuit women who had okay. r- reported uh, experiencing it was actually the same as as their uh, you know people that who are non indigenous. But they think the reason for that isn't because it's happening at the same amount. They think it's because violence is so normalized in uh, in that community oh. that those women don't realize that they're being abused because it's just life for them. Yes.
0: And you know, typically we know that women don't often abuse um, don't often report their abuse. Anyways.
1: No, I think uh, according to some uh, data that was obtained a while ago. So, like, I'm talking like twenty plus years ago. Okay. On average, women or people who are experiencing intimate partner violence will experience violence at least fourteen times before they report it to the police. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh. Anyway,
1: that's that. That's that episode.
0: That's that episode, and. It's a real downer so we're going to end on a little bit of a downer note but but that's fine. Um yeah, uh,
1: you know what? Uh one thing that we should probably mention is that you can expect to hear a lot of uh cases because yes. we have so many cases for you coming up that we so don't many. even have non-episodes really planned. I mean, we have one which we'll tease later, but mm. it's going to be mostly cases uh Tears. so for your Northern BC Crime Fix uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Where, can, can, where can they us. find us?
0: They can find us at Secrets of the North underscore podcast on Instagram. All that's right. where they'll see our lovely faces or they can even shout out to us um, on our personal ones, which I'm always like, who is following me? I don't know this person. I'm like, oh yeah, that's because I just give my information out to everybody in the world.
1: I'm going to give you a caveat and, and and mention that no one has followed <laughs> no. me on Instagram.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, it's okay, fine. Spencer, what's yours? Mine's um, E to the underscore G.
1: Mine is uh SP Hall 97. And on Instagram, I'm still there and I get tagged in, in our post just as much as everyone else. I mean, I get my content isn't as exciting, though. I'm not on Instagram that much. I really just use it to chat with my friends because
0: I don't like Facebook for that. Perfect. I mean, I only use Facebook for talking to Emily's and Kyle's and then I only really use Instagram for shenanigans and the podcast.
1: Great. Love it. Um, well, Thanks Spence. Uh, For listening. uh, Yeah. um, Do highly encourage uh, everyone to educate themselves on the 60s scoop and the intergenerational trauma that it has caused, as well as residential schools. Um, What I'm going
0: to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to upload a resource on our Instagram for anybody who maybe has listened and has experienced some trauma uh, around these concerns. So Mm. we'll do that and maybe even put up a. some information, uh, some links to where they can go and educate themselves about.
1: Yes, this. I know there is a helpline that was launched after the f- uh, the findings of the, the 215. Okay. Um, and it's by, I, I, as much as I hate to say this, this is the, the legit name, is the Indian Residential School Survivor Society. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, yeah, so they have a helpline that we will go ahead and put in... Well, in the show notes, but also we'll make a post on Instagram. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Take care of yourselves. Uh, this is going to be. I mean, I feel a little bit delicate, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna go and I guess continue to educate <laughs> myself and try to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, thank you for for telling me the story of Tina, and Welcome. you know, I'm, I'm heartbroken for her family yep. and you know for her mom who lost her
0: twice. Yeah, exactly. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this case was because I don't want her to be forgotten. No. I don't want any of these victims to be forgotten. Um, And like we said, because we're going to be dealing with a lot of more cases um, of indigenous victims, we really want to highlight this for everybody. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So sorry about the downer, guys. Maybe we'll do... uh more of an upbeat, funny one next time. Uh, maybe I'll find some killers from the 1930s again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> happened to you almost 100 years ago. We can laugh about it. No, that's not how it works. Uh, but um, no, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Of a, I mean, as, as lighthearted See? as murder and crime can be. Exactly. Um, all right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you, even though some of you don't think that we're podcast worthy. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, no, thank you so much.
0: I love those people even more. Okay. Okay.
1: Would you, it's it's not the love Olympics, man.
0: Okay. I love you, Spencer. I love you too. I love everybody out there except for the murderers.
1: Bye. Yeah, don't do that. Goodbye. Bye. Love you.